Hi, I'm Tom Schumacher, president and producer of Disney Theatrical, but I'm here today for the American Theatre Wing. Our topic today on working in the theatre is the anatomy of a song. We're going to take a look at the notion of a song. What is it? Where does it come from? How does it fit in a show? But we're going to do that from a specific perspective, and that is from the point of view of my dear friend and longtime colleague, Alan Menken. Now, although Alan is probably most associated with uh, his work from, for Disney and how people know him, his first breakout hit was actually an off-Broadway show called God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater, which he wrote in collaboration with Howard Ashman, his longtime collaborator, the late and legendary uh, Howard Ashman. They went on then to a huge hit with Little Shop of Horrors. It ran off-Broadway for five years, was made into a film, and then subsequently came back to Broadway. Alan is the recipient, I have to count these up, <laughs> of eight Oscars, 11 Grammys, seven Golden Globes, and yes, a Tony Award. He also won the coveted Razzie Award for the worst song of the year in 1993. Time prevents me really from listing your entire oeuvre, which is extensive. But of course, our viewers know you from both stage and screen versions, in some cases, of The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, A Christmas Carol, Hercules, Sister Act, Enchanted, My Beloved King David, um, Tangled, uh, the long-lost Disney classic, Home on the Range, which meant the world <laughs> to you. both of us. And, of course, your Tony Award-winning hit musical, Newsies, yes. based on the film of the same title but somewhat lesser success. Yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, the remarkable Alan Menken. Play your own intro. Thank it's you. tough to be your own band. So, <laughs> you know, the thing, obviously talking about where do songs come from, what are songs, one has to say, when did you start writing music? I started writing music when I was a kid, and I... I How old were you? Oh, God. Because you played the violin and the piano, which I played came first. Yes. I played piano, and, piano first, then violin. I hated to practice both of them. And so instead of practicing, I figured I'd fake it and just make up my own pieces. Did you have a teacher that came over to the I house? Had, yes, I had, I had uh, Emily Harris and Editha Braham, one, two wonderful teachers, brilliant teachers. But you were a bad student? I was a terrible student, but I was a very good musician. They loved me, but I would just make up my own things. I'd, I'd, like, I'd have a Beethoven sonata, I'd go... And my parents would leave the room, and I'd... And I'd play for the and next hour. And you'd riff on that. And I'd just riff on Beethoven, and, and then I'd come to my lesson, and the teacher would say, Alan does, is not learning his pieces. But people like to listen but to But he's you. playing for the hour. I don't <laughs> understand. What, what was the first song you wrote? Ever a full actual song? You want to hear? Uh, I, I'm going to ask okay, you. This so is, you may want to lie. No, this is I'm funny. Ask you to play it. I'm going to play it. But it's okay because um, <laughs> it was on guitar. It went. Uh, She's gone, and I want to die. You know, I'm living a lie. She'd have stayed if only I had asked. But I know I can't live in the past. I was about 11 years old then. Uh, so. Was there a girl? So there wasn't a whole heart? lot of past. There wasn't a lot of past. Was there, was there a girl that had broken your heart? Or you were imagining there would be a girl who would break At your 11, heart? At 11, it was all, it was all <laughs> you could imagine what I was imagining. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it came sort of natural to you just to start composing, right? Well, I was, I'm sort of, a, uh, part of it is being a natural mimic. Um, I was probably, you know, probably mimicking Bob Dylan there. Um, but I love music, and, and I, I, 
naturally want to play music and then I don't really want to, did, I didn't want to learn that music, I wanted to do my own version of it. And that. What, what kind of songs were you most interested, when you were, because you were, if you started writing as a kid, by the time you were a teenager, what were you listening to and what were you thinking well, about? Well, I grew writing? up in a family that loved musical theater. So I grew up with um, like Tree Grows in Brooklyn, I'll buy you a star, not just any, and of course, Brodgers and Hammerstein. And so the transition into the sort of Great American Songbook wasn't a big star It started there. We had Rodgers and Hart and Gershwin and everything right at the piano. My dad would play and, and I would play the, plunk the melody and then at some point I pushed them over and I played the chords and he played the melody. And then, of course, the early 60s happened and it was, you know, the Beatles and the Stones. And were you drawn to that sort of music? Oh, you totally. Yeah. Totally. And then what got you back to theater music then? Well, okay, when I was in college, this, this was all just appeasing people. <laughs> See, I, I like to please, Tom, what can I say? I've sensed that, lo, these 20-odd <laughs> years we've worked together. Well, I went to college, and I actually wrote uh, two musicals there. One was the Commedia dell'Art musical, um, Why Am I So Lo- Why Am I So Lonely? I wish I knew. My thoughts are so confused. I don't know what to do. If she'd give me only one little You know what's clue. nice is that you've gotten better. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's I, one of those compliments you go, okay. And then there was a show called Separate Ways. But anyway, I was not a great student at NYU either. <laughs> and I did not want to go to graduate school. Um, but I had joined this thing called the BMI Musical Theater Workshop. Which well, I wanted to ask you about that because it's legendary. Lehman Engel, this thing. What was it and what, what kind of stuff would you have been taught in there? Well, Lehman, taught, Lehman was this great conductor who, who was conducting shows in the 40s and 50s. And, Broadway conductor. Even into the 60s, yeah. And uh, Porgy and Bess. I mean, the, the original Goddard Leverson recording. Um, and, uh, and BMI, does ASCAP and BMI, the two, you know, they collect royalties. BMI started this first workshop for people who were songwriters, but not theater songwriters. And Lehman had basically studied how musicals tick from the pit, you know, from watching from the pit. Um, like really a structural point of view. No, for, yeah, how, how a score functions. Where songs fit, yeah, all that. Yeah. And, and he teach? He, oh, absolutely. He and taught. he was actually teaching you. It was, a, it was... Oh, he was in the front of the room and giving us assignments and talking about um, uh, song placement and talking about character and talking about moving plot forward and talking about, about your individual style and your individual style. He was the most fantastic. Who else was in that class with you? Um, Maury Yeston, first person I met, I walked to the first day and there's Maury and in, in his hush puppies. He was, a, he was a graduate student at Yale and I was an undergraduate at NYU. Um, Ed Kleeman, we came in, you know, he was two years ahead of us, but it was the legendary Ed So Kleeman. did the whole, was your whole class, the kind of people who went on to enormous success, Maury, certainly Ed Kleeman? No, I mean, no, no. There, was, there were just some that broke out. It was Maury, um, of course, Jack. Jack Feldman was one of the uh -huh. people, people who was in the workshop. Um, uh, Did you write a song in the workshop? Oh, Just like yeah. the, can, can you play one of them? Something you wrote in the workshop? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, you, okay. Um, for, for, I, I wrote a musical of, of Midnight, um, which was a Billy Wilder film. Uh-huh. Um, you didn't have the rights, so you just did it as an exercise, right? Right. Good night. Perhaps your dreams will carry you far away. And sleep tight. Just forget the words that we said today. It's all right. We have separate lives. We have 
separate rooms tonight. Been a long time since I played this song. I wrote I, those. I, those are the wrong lyrics. But, but and, who, and I was you, writing these write good the lyrics, lyrics then. Yes. At the same time. Okay. I want yeah. to transition to uh, the first big thing that everyone knows of yours right. because it's, it's Little Shop. I mean, you know, it's performed everywhere. People right. know it so well. When you and Howard Ashman began writing Little Shop, what, what was the inspiration? We know the film existed, right? The Roger Corman movie? Yeah, and, and Howard had, o had always loved that. You, 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 in your intro, you, me you mentioned Rosewater, so I'll uh -huh. just say you said breakout. Not really a breakout, although it got us a little bit of attention. It got you attention, yeah. I mean, that's it, it, people noticed you. We actually ran. But this was, your, yes. your big hit, though, was Little Shop, right? right? And that big five-year success film put you on the map. I'm curious about how you approached it as songwriters, because what, what did it sound like in the beginning? Because I'm told that you wrote it and then rethought it into the doo-wop. Right. Initially, I, I remember watching the Corman film, and we, we really went for the tone of the Corman film, which was kind of, uh, how, how do you describe it? It was very skid row and very sort of jazzy and, and um, little and tinkly, and there was the plant saying, feed me. I'm hungry, feed me, I'm starving, feed me, I'm fading in fast, feed me, you moron. Um, or there was a, it was a song we wrote for, for um, in praise of Audrey too, that went, oh, uh, when it's time to pick a pet flower, who's the shrub we love? Who's our potted plant of the hour? Who's our bush when push comes to shove? Who rakes in that cash? Those kudos, but look by who came through. Not Audrey Hepburn or Audrey Wood. The both those ladies are well and good. They're dismal failures beside the wonderful Audrey, too. And the pods would go, Audrey, Audrey. Who's our bush when push comes to shove? Who's our bush when push comes to shove? That's come. delicious. Now, what, what made you switch, though, to, um, to the doo-wop thing? Well, nobody, nobody was getting it to begin with. It was like. Too cute or? Um, you know what? It, it didn't Not have a style. Enough, you know, it didn't have a stylistic hook, and I've learned that because that's a big thing for you, the stylistic hook. Thing, so, yeah. so give me a little bit of the doo-wop thing, so we know where that went. Then, like, okay. well, the doo-wop obviously is little shop, little shop of horrors. I mean, we're talking to find the whole show. With we're that. talking about the end of the world and, and a plant that eats people, and we're playing this very this totally light doo-wop rock and roll, and trying to. Basically, you tie it to the whole style of the period. Um, and do you research that? Like, so do well, you? Howard, you know, he would bring in records of the Shirelles and um, and say, "Oh, I, I want it to be like this, or I want it to be like that." And so, when you take a stylistic point of view, and you know, uh, things that you know, we've we've done so many things together, but your work is so so well known. You can play a melody from one of your shows, and and people so know it. And this idea of a stylistic entry point, a motif that's going to hold it together. And I'm just curious if you can do a little compare and contrast between Mermaid, Beauty, and Aladdin. These three films sort of stacked up. Mm -hmm. You know, Mermaid, you've got these two things going, the sound of water yeah, and the yeah. Caribbean thing. Yeah, you do. And is that the glue for the, for the whole score? Well, it's, it's, it's not quite that simple. If you look at my ballads, they kind of form a pivot where the, all the, the shows could actually, you, know, you could go from one to the other and see very much you know, a, a line in my style. It's, it's in the, some of the more specific um, moments uh, outside of something that's, that's of, uh, in the emotional interior, you know, um, where... Um, so when, when you, for example, when you and Howard started on Mermaid, yeah. did you have this idea... Flowing water, yes. Yeah. Certainly that constant flow. 
la 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 Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm the girl, girl who has everything? Also at the sea shanty. Um. Everything very nostalgic. Then come in. And the Caribbean thing. Well, that, that was when originally John Musker and Ron Clements wanted um, Sebastian to be a stuffy English crab, and Howard had the idea how about we make him a Caribbean crab? Kind of a stuffy uh, Trinidadian or something. And so then came. And which was more, you know, Howard wanted a circular riff that could just go around and around. And then Ursula is sort of this brick. Yeah. File thing. Uh, I admit that in the past I've been a nasty. They weren't kidding when they called me well a witch. But you'll find that nowadays I've mended all my ways. Yeah, you want to get that vamp quality. Well, first of all, she bounces. Part of it's also physicality. You want to get her physicality. You also want to get sort of the Dietrich quality in her. Um, and that vamp quality. Then as, we, then as we go to Beauty, you know, the opening number of Beauty and the Beast is so defines everything we're going to see. That's a gigantically complicated song. The one, yeah, well, you know the story. Howard didn't want to send it on. We had, we had written it, and he said, who asked for a seven-minute opening number? They're going to just, they're going to laugh at us. I'm not sending this. I can't send this. I said, I think it's good. But anyway. So and then what happened? We sent it. And, and what happened then? People loved it. <laughs> I knew they would. I mean, it's, it's, it's an extraordinary opening. It's very complicated. It's very theatrical. Yeah, it takes you through the entire town. It, it introduces, you know, Belle. Uh, little town, it's a quiet village. Every day, like the one before. Little town, full of little people, waking up to say, bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. There goes the baker with his tray, like always, the same old bread and rolls to sell. Every morning just the same, since the morning that we came to the poor provincial town. Good morning, Ding Bell. And what else runs through beauty? What other motif is going on? What else? In beauty? Still, yeah, because you always want this stylistic point, so what else is there? Now this, how this come about? Well, this, this is vaguely Sasson. Vaguely. <laughs> That's what happened with this one is the fourth movie. Yes, movement, I right? mean, Jeffrey Katz, Jeff, uh, he fell in love with it. And I understand it was a great effective opening, but it was. Because we, we had tempted the movie. With um, the with Sandstone Carnival, Carnival of the Animals. Animals. So um, and he said, oh, we'll just leave that in. They go, no! So, <laughs> which, of course, in the Broadway show actually found its way into being the, the uh, uh, theme that the beast right. sings. Actually, the opening of the the movie. And then, we, then it goes and into and da, da, the narration da, 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 is over that. David Ogden Styers does that. And then it goes the, into yeah. Little Town. It's a quiet village. And Aladdin, because Aladdin was actually written earlier. Yeah, Aladdin was actually written before. We started it before Beauty, um, and then it got shelved. And, the, you know, it starts right away with, um, uh, oh, I come from a land, from a faraway place where the caravan So here you've got this, this rhythm that we think of from that part of the world, right? This, the sound of that. Yeah. And then you're taking that with Cabin Calloway, though. 
What? But then you're jamming that in with this sort of Cab Calloway jazz thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you know, first of all, part of that is in the nature of the, of, of the genie. The genie was described as black and he had an earring and he basically was like a hipster. And so we wanted to go to that kind of a style. I mean, part of it is also my God. I grew up with, my dad used to always play Fats Waller and Old Man Moe's, oh yeah, I do believe, oh yeah. And I love Fats Waller. I mean, so, you know, some of it is just the serendipity of, of allowing your influences in, but it's kind of what, from my gut, is going to be fun, unique, um, uh, really have a, st a stylistic specificity to it, because I always believe that when people can hear a song and, and early in go, oh, I get what you're doing. You're not just playing a pretty tune, or you're not just playing a poppy tune, but it actually has a reference roots that go into our culture. It, it just makes it more fun for people to absorb the song. So and listen we've talked it. a lot about Howard Ashman, who had a huge impact, certainly on you, certainly on me, anyone who grew up or worked at Disney Animation. Because he's yeah. he, with you, set, you guys set a course yeah. of not doing film music, uh, film musicals, but actual stage musicals on, on film. I, I made a list of just some of your collaborators, which are pretty extraordinary, because Howard Ashman, our beloved Sir Tim Rice, Stephen Schwartz, David Zippel, Glenn Slater, Lynn Ahrens, Chad Beglin, and of course, Jack Feldman from, from uh, uh, Newsies. Talk about partnerships and what it means for you, because uh, some composers have gone through their whole life with one or two, but you've had right. you've had many partners. And do you write differently with different partners? As you as in the anatomy of a song, who goes first and how that works? Um, I, yeah, I have different relationships with diff obviously with different people. Um, in general, we get into a room and we go, "What's our assignment? What do we What do we need to do?" Um, to make this moment work. I will say that basically there's my collaboration with Howard and then there's my collaboration with everybody else in that when I was working with Howard, he really did set the standard. And um, I learned an immense amount from working with him. He is an extremely demanding collaborator. He was pretty much the boss. He was a director, book writer. He would have choreographed. If he, if he you know, could choreograph, he probably would have written the music. He was a very dominant partner. Very, and, and brilliant. And, and, um, and so when Howard became ill, first of all, on Aladdin, I began to fill those shoes, which are hard shoes to fill, very hard, first in producing the sessions and then also in writing the new songs. Um, Did you write, because Aladdin has two composers for the, the film version, uh, uh, lyricists. Uh, lyricists, rather, yeah. um, uh, because after Howard had passed and we made all these story changes, then Tim Rice came in. Yeah. So A Whole New World was written with Tim. Yes, and Tim... And they're different songs. I mean, they feel different. Well, that feels different, but One Jump Ahead was deliberately very much in style. We had, Howard and I had a song we had written called Bab Kako Marlad and Kasim, which is now in the, the theatrical version. version. Yeah. Um, For friends, none closer, heck no. And that was, in a sense, replaced by one jump. By one jump. One jump, head of the bread lines, one swing. Tim Rice lyric, but with a Howard Ashman And what I actually template. did was, yes, what I actually did was I wrote a piece of music first. I even wrote a, sort of a dummy lyric, just say, I think it would be this kind of a pace of a thing, and just blah, 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 blah. And then Tim brilliantly put on um, a lyric that really did, I think, match Howard style it's very closely. Style. Now, since we have Newsies on its feet right now, it would be useful to actually explore 
the relationship. And since we have one of your collaborators actually right here, let's bring no. in our pal Jack Feldman. You're a Tony winner. You're a Grammy winner. You, um, you know, you've written, in, you've worked in every medium. You've worked in uh, uh, television. You've worked in film. You've written film opening songs and credit songs, that sort of thing. You've written um, uh, for for um, animated movies, including. I just learned this morning you wrote songs for A Lion King two. Yeah. I didn't. What did you write in that? With Tom Snow, we wrote. Um, we are one. You wrote that. I didn't know that. One actually. of us. But then you also have had enormous success in with pop songs. Obviously, um, uh, Copacabana. Yeah, Copacabana. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cop Oh no, Copacabana. It's a, it's yeah, a thing, it you know. And oh, what's the other one that I, I really love? Oh, I made it through the rain. Right? Can you play? I made it through the rain. Do you know that one? I thought I'd play the Jack Feldman oeuvre. <laughs> Where's the, uh, the, the tip cup? jar? <laughs> the tip jar. So you've worked in lots of this stuff. Um, I first want to talk about the movie newsies. How did you come together, and specifically, how did you come together to write those songs? Who set the idea of what that music would sound like? Bob and Bob Zudeker and Noni White, our friends, wrote this screenplay that wasn't to be a musical. Then Disney buys it, says we'll make a musical out of it. What, what then happened? Did Kenny start suggesting music ideas? Did you do that on your own? No, what happened? We, we basically um, uh, looked at the story and, and um, figured out the song Moments. Jack and I had never worked together before. This was our first time working together. So you had known each other from BMI. I knew, yeah. But you hadn't worked together. Who, no, who, I, I noticed. You asked for him? I asked for Jack. How, uh, Howard was at that point um, just frankly too ill. And um, and I'd known and liked Jack a lot uh, as, as a writer. And and I knew he was, he was working as a lyricist. And, and I also heard the stuff that he had done. For instance, you did one of the songs for... Um, uh, Oliver and Company, right? Yeah, yeah. The Batman. And I said, "Oh yeah, this is he, he's right in the in the tone there." What was I don't remember what song that was. Uh, perfect, Pretty, isn't yeah, perfect. Yeah, easy, yeah. yeah. And um, so I, th I think I think this will be a good collaboration. What is the first song you wrote on Newsies? I think it was Carrying the Banner. Wasn't it was. It? We started it in my living room. Now, if you go into process of how did we come up with that? Yeah, because what? Where's that's that the toughest coming? one. I mean, it's sort of sometimes you just want to go to your gut and like. Bleh. You know, what comes out, but, but uh, you think, first of all, it is the era of ragtime. You know it's gonna wanna break into something more energetic. Sort of, it's a little bit sort of on the townish there. You know, and you were sitting in Jack's apartment. You were. And you're at Jack's piano, and you're saying, what if it felt like? Is that what happened? Actually, well, I did a lot of research on the period and on the expressions of the period, and that just seemed like a great expression. Did you write lyric fragments down for him? Uh, no, not on, not on that song, because it literally started with Alan. I think I probably gave you the riff improvised. Which you know is, is is a little bit ragtime and a little bit R and B, but you know because you wanted to make it contemporary. Um, right? Yes, I mean some of it is look a lot happens here. Well, some happens here, <laughs> whatever I got left there, but most of it happens here. And what happens is I will start playing. I'll, I'll give myself a territory to work in, and I have a pretty good barometer of that sucks. That sucks. That oh wait that doesn't suck. So you just it's, it's, you're 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 
you're improvising and I'm an idea sticks. I'm trying to just let it flow. And do you grab one? It's do you not, say that sounds like something? Well, yeah, sometimes, sure. But it's, it's not even that it's that sucks. But for this, I think it was especially hard because to find a style that you wanted to stay in for an entire score, or most of a score, was not easy on this because you didn't want it to be an entire ragtime score. Mm -hmm. So the fact that even in that one number, in those opening phrases, it goes from ragtime and then it gets to a little Bernstein and Gershwin and then it, and then it gets contemporary and it, you never feel the seams. It's always seamless and by the time the song is full throttle, it's sometimes very contemporary. Now, one, never one of the other songs in the show that is certainly popular and, and we know, what's surprising, it's Santa Fe, the song is Santa Fe, it's this beautiful ballad. That you wrote in the first meeting we had. You wrote in the first meeting? It was my first time um, on Newsies, and we were out in California, and we were sitting around a big conference table, and somebody was talking about how Santa Fe should be the I Want song. And Alan said, I got it, I got it, I got it. Da 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 da. So you wrote that around the idea of saying Apparently, Santa Fe? I, I don't, not the whole song. Just the word. I didn't Santa start Fe. with. Not, not in the I thought I start, I thought we started with because I wanted to get that feeling. Remember I talked about like Tree Grows in Brooklyn and you know mm -hmm. I'll buy you a star, not just any star, but the best one in the sky. Just that kind of. So that's what they call a family. There's certain harmonies I, I identify with a, with sort of the 50s style of music. But the big sound, you know, the idea that he's singing, he's in this cramped, horrible space. And it's, it's such a big gesture, that song. And, and when he gets to the Santa Fe and it soars, or it was intended to, and then you have this curious thing by which you, you have a Christian Bale who's fantastic, but not a big singer. Right. So it's really not until Broadway when we ever got to really hear the song. Right. Song. And the context was, was different. Totally different than totally the Broadway show. Context, yeah. So I want to talk about our friend Harvey Firestein. Because we three and others were in the room for a very long time trying to figure out could Newsies make it to the stage. It seemed like a natural, and yet years and years and years we toiled in that field and couldn't get there. And then it was really the, the, the introduction of Harvey um, that, that relit it up. But yeah. Harvey, did Harvey bring in the idea of introducing a genuine spunky love interest for Jack? Yeah, I mean, we, 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 we all just knew that we needed something like that. Yet, but Harvey really honed it into her being a reporter. We actually had a character named Denton, who was the reporter. In the movie. In the, in the movie. Bill Pullman character. Correct. Um, and so, in a way, Catherine took that role on. Um, and, and it took us a while to get, because what I want to get to is I do want to listen to the song from the show, because I think it's a really surprising song. You wrote a song for her ahead of time. Can you play a little? This was the first Catherine song that we had. And I'm going to, we're going to. Do you know it at all? Do you remember? <laughs> a guy named Alan Menken wrote it with this smart guy you know, named Jack Feldman. Uh, you've been reading it, it doesn't sound familiar? Uh, yeah, any fool can see. You're, a num you're outnumbered, you're, you're, you're untested, and you're bound to lose. Any fool but me. This is not the song, not just dump, dump, prank. This is front page headline money in the bank. This is David and Goliath on the battlefield. And I'm praying for the record, praying off the record, David wins. But no matter how it goes, 
Even a cub reporter knows that this is the story of my life, the day my life begins. Essentially. And we, and we cut that. That's interesting to hear because then we, yes, then we asked for it another wasn't song. Specific. Um, wasn't specific. Meaning what? When you get to the moment and you go, well, it's, it's not special enough, let's put it that way. It's, no, it's, it's, it's about her, it's about what she wants, but you go, okay, she's at the typewriter. And there's a, there's a beat to that, that I think, first of all, became the essence of... Uh, no, I'll tell you what... what okay, what was it? What is Jack's version of that? What is now the music for Catherine's song uh -huh. was originally written for the character of Les, the little boy, uh -huh. who we wanted to give a song to in the second scene of Act Two. And it was pretty much exactly the song, musically, that you hear on stage. But we realized no kid would be able to, to sing, sing that. it. So we just sort of it shelved go. it. Because this song, a and actually, let's, let's, hear, yeah, let's hear the song. But what, but, but, but what makes the song, I think, tick is the fact that you're starting with this, it's start from the very beginning. It's the building the blocks. Metronome very idea simple. And just building up, you know, all the things, and then finally when it opens up in terms of, oh my God, this is what could happen. It, that it's also the right. only time you get to hear what she's really feeling. Mm -hmm. It's the only time she's on stage but alone. The, there's a thing. We're gonna, uh, Carol, Carol Lindsay, come on in. This is Carol Lindsay, of course, who plays Catherine Hi. in our um, Hi, in our show. Hi. Hi. This is Kara's Broadway debut. It is. Although we met when you were on the national tour of Little House on the Prairie, which yes, Disney was playing uh, a twelve-year-old playing a twelve-year-old involved with. <laughs> and then uh, you're a Carnegie kid, so you have real training. Um, and now we have you. So now this song, I want to, I want us to play it down one. So you, and Alan, you're actually going to accompany, which is I am gonna not something you, you specialize in, but you're going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Oh, he's and let's do it. let's hear the song, and then I want to dissect it a bit. Pussies. Oh, it's a cinch. It could practically write itself, and let's pray it does. Because as I may have mentioned, I have no clue what I'm doing. Am I insane? This is what I've been waiting for. Well, that plus the screaming of ten angry editors. A girl? It's a girl. How the hell is that even? Look, just go ahead and talk. Not only that, there's a story behind the story. Thousands of children exploited, invisible. Speak up, take a stand, and there's someone to write about it. That's how things get better. Give life's little guy some ink And when it dries, just watch what happens Those kids will move and breathe right on the page And once they're center stage, you watch what happens And who's there with her camera and her pen As boys turn into men, they'll storm the Heroically charismatic, plain spoken, no nothing skirt chasing, cocky little son of a lie down with dogs, and you wake up with a raise and a promotion. So he's a flirt, a complete egomaniac. The fact is, he's also the face of the strike. What a face! Face a fact that's a face that could save us all from sinking in the ocean. Like someone said, power tends to corrupt an absolute power. Wait, wait, corrupts absolutely? That is genius. But give me some time, I'll be twice as good as that. 
create their mistake as they got old. That is not a mistake. We'll be making no sir. We'll stay young forever. Give those kids and me the brand new century and watch what happens. It's David and Goliath do or die. The fight is on and I can't watch what happens. But all I know is no. Just give in. It can't be any worse than how it's been. And it just so happens that we just might win. So whatever happens, let's begin. That was so fast and so awesome. I'm sorry. Is that a little faster than it is? No, it's show? a pattern. It's so great. That's now, how it's supposed to be. What's the hardest part of that song for you to sing? Breathing. <laughs> Breathing part. Because because it's just it's a lot of information. Right, Was it hard to learn? Um, I, I mean, kind of. But I mean, like Jack said and Alan said, it, this is the one time we see who she is, and this is a really big moment for her. And it's a, it's like it's a brainstorm out loud. So you know, all these thoughts go through your head when you're writing an essay or writing a report. But these are all out loud. Because what what I find fascinating about this song and also, your performance with it has grown. It oh, was very challenging you. when we were in the original Out of Town production at Paper Mill because it's a, it's a big space and the sound is complicated. And so the audience can't stay with it as easily as you can at the Nederlander, which is so intimate and so fantastic. And they're right there with you for the whole song. Is that it is a brainstorm. That's what you wrote, right? But, it's a stream but of consciousness. in this, yeah, it's stream of consciousness. Yeah. In this lyric, you're constantly changing your mind or rethinking. Right, because you're catching not only information, but also the emotional information of what's going on, how you're feeling, what she's going through. I, I, I love the way Kara does it, because it, what you created was this character who's really, really smart. At a time when she wouldn't have been, it's historically a little anachronistic, right? What, what you've all created and what Harvey created is a character that probably wouldn't have been so outspoken. So. In that stream of consciousness, you're demonstrating her own her fears, right? Her. Mm -hmm. So tell me, where did it come from? Because you had the if you had the less melody, which some of us don't remember that that was less. Apparently, I well, never got out of the yeah, studio. Yeah, but the you had the melody. Did you just start thinking this lyric first? What'd Harvey, I was on the phone with Harvey complaining about you were complaining about Harvey Firestein. How I couldn't. Could you could leave not Jack complaining? Find this song. You couldn't find the song. And he said, what about that number that we wrote for uh, the kid? I said, oh, you can't use that. It's, it's, it's like a pattern number. And he said, look at it. And I did. And from that's where I got the idea of doing a real stream of consciousness and the double idea that we can really get to see her insecurities, how, how needy she really Do you think really that is. way in that lyric? Do you? When you're, when you're writing, are you thinking, oops, that's not me, oh, and, because, I, you know, I was looking through the lyric, it's just so extraordinary, the, the density of it. Um, and yet, I think, and that's why I wanted to point this song out and have you guys talk about it, because also, I'm curious when we do this for the first time in a foreign language, which will happen, <laughs> that, <laughs> that we're going to hear someone sing this, and I think I will feel the same thing, because the music well, that's, yeah, you is, should always... The music is... Okay, so explain that to me, because I feel you feel it open up, and then it compresses, and it right. pulls back, and it jumps forward, and it pulls back, and it jumps forward. Explain... What are you doing there? Well, first of all, music should always 
at least take you 50% of the way towards knowing what the moment is, be, even before you hear a lyric, just by the nature of the choice. So look, you started with the basic building block. What's happening? You, she, you could see a justification going. It's, I, I'm actually basing it on chopsticks. Simple. And it builds, uh, and it, then it builds, and, and, uh, and then it opens. It's like fireworks. Oh my God, yes. Oh my God, yes. It, so you're going from what's going to happen, what's going to happen, and shoo. But then it pulls back again. Yes, because, well. Because she has to get back to the typewriter, and so the same fears come out and the same insecurities. The other thing about it was that the story of my life, in its own way, Alan said it wasn't specific, and he's right, it was another anthem of a mm -hmm. kind. It was just from her. And the movie was a little anthem heavy. Yeah. I was, when we were doing, now I remember, we were doing Story of Melif, I was, I was thinking Once Was a Man from, uh, yes. from uh, a Pajama Game. Um, but there wasn't enough in their relationship to fuel it. Because I, I was thinking, okay, it's David and Goliath and we're, we're seeing her attraction to him. But, you know, it's too early to be getting into what they're feeling for each other. It's more about what she's going through herself, and then there was the struggle of, do we care enough about this character um, to want to hear her spend three minutes thinking about what's going on inside of her? Well, yes, if it's tied to a very specific assignment, a very specific process, a very specific thing she's going through. And, let's, and also, if you look at what the staging does brilliantly, there she is on the stage, you know, at the typewriter, and above her you see what she's writing. Yeah. And you see that, you know, and she pulls the paper out, and. So it's a very specific moment. And looking back on it, I think it's a really significant moment because it's that place in the first act which, if you're not really careful or lucky, can really dip. And a solo by this character that you don't know that well, if it isn't, like Alan was saying, special, I think it can bring, you know, bring it down. And, and this didn't, this book. Because I, I, I adore the song. The, this idea I want to introduce now is this idea of, of rewriting. You know, it's always said musicals are not written, they're rewritten. Of course. And there's a dual thing happening in the case of Newsies because you had a piece of material and, you know, 20 years later. Well, and, you know, and we came in, you know, we, we, we did a first attempt that really kind of fell flat. We, did, we didn't get it the first time around. It was the second time around when Harvey came aboard right. and really nailed it. But this um, idea of rewriting, you had to go back into all your original songs and rewrite them. Is that hard to do or not so? Well, Jack was an un unstoppable rewriter when it came to the lyrics. There are times that you don't have to rewrite that, and Jack rewrote the whole thing. So give me an example of an original song, because Santa Fe is totally different. Totally different. Well, it's a different moment. Well, Santa Fe had to be. Santa Fe wasn't, you know, wasn't gratuitous because the two places that it's used in the show are both completely different from the yeah, one place no it's used in the movie. But even carrying songs, the carrying the banner, yes, yeah, songs like carrying the banner. Sees Why did the you day rewrite the carrying the banner? Can you just play this? We know what that song is. Just a hint. Um, we'll be out there carrying the banner. Why did you have to rewrite um, that? Well, we were lyrically. It was lyrically. Yeah. Oh yeah. Alan's music was, you know, didn't need a note changed. It was, first of all, we didn't have a lot of time, to say the least, to write the movie score. And I just felt that everything could be a little sharper and a little bit more specific. And just 
improved. It, I really felt like the movie for me was almost like a first draft. Uh -huh. And what about rewriting uh, in the case when keep the song just isn't landing? You have to keep trying a new song altogether, like the ballad, right? With the love ballad. Well, right, right, right. What's that like for, for, for the two of you together? Well, there was um, that, that, that moment on the rooftop. And, and we first wrote a song called I See You Again. Um, most people, da 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 da. And I see you again. It was very kind of, I guess, West Sideish. I was thinking one hand, one heart. And I just, first of all, let's face it, we sit in an audience and you go, this is not doing it. So you're reading the audience. I'm looking at You know your own instinct, but you're also reading. I know that the number is too talky. Uh, it's too recitative-ish. Um, it's, it's too cerebral. It's cerebral. So it's not emotional. I, I really said, let's go. Let's go for a gestalt. We all had that. Remember, we were all night in the conference room together discussing the kind of number it should be. Um, you were even nervous before I wrote this number. Before I wrote, um, what's it called? Something to believe in. And it is fascinating though when you've rewritten something so many times that you actually. You can, yeah, but I mean, I at least saw we come back. Ago. Ago. <laughs> you did say two nights ago. So tell me though, because this is the thing that I think people always ask me. Because this came up over this particular ballot. Because someone said, Are you "Is Alan rewriting?" I said, "Yes." And they said, "Is it hard to tell? Ask Alan to rewrite." And I said, "Alan Menken is the easiest person I've ever been. In. We've had so many people around. You're the easiest person to ask to rewrite something, because either you'll agree, and you'll say." Of course I'll rewrite it because it's not working. Or you'll say, no, you're not hearing it right yet. Let me, let me work on the song and I'll bring it back to you. And also my attitude is, fine, I'll rewrite it and either you will see that I was right or I will see that, I'll see that you are right. I mean, I have, it's, I've thrown out so many songs. In my, I mean, I look at, look at like Proud of Your Boy from Aladdin or whatever. The songs that get thrown out are as good as the songs that remain. It's just a matter of whether that's the right song. You know, also Alan has for a ballad has almost an unerring uh, temperature in terms of taking its temperature to know when something is, working. is right or is not right. So, oh, thanks, Jack. I don't know. I, oh, I, do, sure. the, I, do, I do throw out with ease. And that, what, that makes it easier because it becomes a very, you know, it's sort of like a spin the wheel. Like, oh, let's, let's, okay, we'll do this nuance this way, do it this way. Um, and eventually you find what that right thing, and then you got to get the right lyric, and then you got to get the right arrangement. You know, Kaz also, when I wrote... Kaz, meaning Michael Kazarin, you Sorry, thank you. Michael Kazarin did an, a, a, an arrangement on the piano of, of uh, the song, and, and that improved it immensely. It's, and then, I, you know, you put it into the hands of Kara and Jeremy Jordan, uh -huh. and that improved it. So it's, you know, it's... It is a discovery. There's no form more collaboration. So now I want to try something. There's a, there's a moment that, uh, not a moment, an experience that happens in Newsies. Um, our beloved Andrew Keenan-Bolger plays this much beloved character, Crutchy. He's, you know, he's the only newsboy who doesn't really dance. Right. Um, and, uh, and, you know, he's got this disability which makes him very vulnerable and also um, it f ties him to our hero, Jack Kelly, who is um, like a big brother to him and helps him and it makes Jack heroic because he helps Crutchy. He's a very valuable character. And, and of course, and Andrew plays it beautifully. But the nature of our story is at the end of act one, there's a big brawl, and right. Crutchy gets essentially arrested, taken to the child's refuge, right. and he's beaten, beaten he's beaten up really badly and carried away. And he becomes, he's an important motor for the rest of the show because 
we're worried about Crutchy, what happened to Crutchy, the, what happened to Crutchy could happen to others. So it's, a, it's an important thing. But we lose Crutchy for the entire second act. So since I have you both here, and Doozies will, with any luck, be around in various forms for a long time, if we were to want a new song, I thought it would be fun, and I've talked about this with you each separately, but you haven't done this together. If there were a moment for Crutchy, what would it be? And could you write a song while we're sitting here in this well, show? Okay, but first what I think I would do is I would look at what happened for instance, with Beauty and the Beast. So we added Tony Braxton. So let's, let's say, okay, this, you know, this star is going to come in, to, not that, and Andrew's fantastic, but let's say a star is going to come in to play Crutchy, and we need to find a moment for that character. Okay, so it's not, uh, it's not really in, uh, dramatically, intrinsically necessary, but if we were... To create a song. And God knows people do that all the time, what would be, that moment be? And you and I have not, have not discussed this particular No, thing. I mean, Tom asked me to just sort of think a little bit about, you know, sketch an idea out of a hypothetical. One thing I thought was he's in the refuge. Right. He's severely beaten up. But he's a character with tremendous dignity no self-pity, and the last thing you want to do is write a self-pitying, woe right. is me, what am I going to do, song, because you're not going to get any sympathy from the audience if the character is telling you to cry for him. And so I thought, and Jack, as you said, is definitely his main connection. Um, so I had the idea, what if he wrote a letter or had somebody write a letter down for him to Jack? Nice idea. <laughs> and using his sort of mixed up ideas of what a letter would be. Because he's never written a letter. Because he's never written a letter. So the form of the song, I thought, might be A-A-B-A. And I mapped out... A classic 32-bar... Yes, a 32-bar uh, with a bridge in the middle and, t and three sections that are the same. An intimate, intimate number. An intimate number. Intimate and, 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 and quiet. Right. And that he would start... I remember when I was in camp, I was six years old, and I was writing home, and I would say, you know, dear mommy and daddy, how are you? I am fine. That that's the kind of thing, the kind of thing that Crutchy might... Right. Pretend he was fine. Right. Stuff yes. Upper lip. Is exactly. Is a tape recorder here? Oh, I, and in, oh, I turned my phone off. And in the, um, uh, throughout the song, he reassures Jack that he's fine. He says that he wants to get out of there. And then in the bridge, where musically it opens up, he maybe could sing about, and when we do, let's get the heck out of here and go to Santa Fe. And just like you said, I know that my leg will feel better from the sunshine and the fresh air. And then, as he starts to close the letter, because he's almost out of paper, he finishes by um, saying to him, tell the guys to soak them for crutchy. Tell them they can even use the sign I made if they want to. And it's always nice if before you write, you have the last line. It doesn't always work out that way, but I thought maybe he would write, your friend. Your friend. And then cross it out. Your best friend. And then cross it out and say, your brother. <laughs> Crutchy. And 
This was literally like 10 or 15 minutes. So this is what you would do? I would, basically, I would get the, the feeling of the moment. I would, as Jack, I was, I was thinking along the similar lines as Jack was in terms of reflecting back to the, that first moment on the roof when they're talking about being in Santa Fe. And that, because that's their, that's their moment of connection. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful idea, Jack. Do you have any lyric here? I want, I want to hear something said against you. It's though. just dummy lines. Let me see the dummy lines. How are you? How are you? What does that say? How are you? I am fine. I am fine. Well, except for the leg. Well, except for the leg. Which they busted up pretty bad. Busted up pretty bad. You would, you would probably stay in a... Um, Maybe uh, not even rhyme. Maybe no you? rhymes. I am fine. Because he's improvising and it's a letter. And the and trick of this would be you want to avoid certainly anything that's going to be like as if it's sort of a romantic connection. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's, a, there's a connection that's more childlike than that in, on his, you know, it's more a kid, you know, writing to the parents that aren't there in a way. And, um, true. and if you were going to take this next yeah. step, would you then write this lyric all the way out, or would you go back and forth like this together? Do I'd you call my agent and, and have the agent call and see yeah, if... Yeah. <laughs> and would, you, would you literally just sit there in Alan's studio or your apartment? If, and... if I came to him with this idea, what more often than not we would do is we would be together and he would form a basis for the music, a vamp, uh, a major theme in the music, and then very often I would ask him to finish the music because... Yeah, I, I, would, I, I would generally, I'll, I'll write a piece of music. I'll, I'll, I work at a keyboard that's MIDI keyboard so I can give them a demo, run it off. What does MIDI keyboard mean? It's, um, it's, it's, it's digital it's, technology. It's writing down what you, what it's, you play? It's, it's basically recording it, um, but I can record various sounds onto it so he can distinguish the melody from the piano or whatever. Maybe I'll add... Orchestrate. Do a little orchestration on it sometimes a vocal onto it, uh, immediately make an mp3 and put it, send it to him. Um, probably, what occurs to me about this moment actually would be, because one of the things that also would be helpful, um, in a way, that, that moment where Pulitzer, uh, where Pulitzer, where um, Snyder comes out and Crutchy sort of, you know, handcuffs him, and I feel like maybe it's a little unearned. Maybe we could, we should see Somehow, maybe someone in that refuge should come in <laughs> and smack, and smack, <laughs> smack him a couple of times in the middle of the song. Okay, because this, this is one idea. Would you normally take one all the way through, or would you then kick out another idea? Well, I was just going to say, I could very easily have come in, or I could come to Alan's, and he could sit down and play me something, and one or the other of us would say, eh, I yeah. don't know. We could say, look, we, maybe he's thinking about, about you know, that Palomino. I could write in style, and maybe it's a song about a Palomino. Maybe it's got a Western feel to it. And but assuming that we have enough faith in it to give it a, a shot, I would generally, you know, it would be one session where, generally within one session, Alan will work out the skeleton. Of Are the you song. ever wrong when you? Um, are thinking, I'm gonna throw this out, give it up, I don't wanna do it, and then you come back to it later yeah. and say, yeah. I, I, I ignored the wrong thing? Let me think about examples of that. Where you're 
you know, you, you just clearly just, you dismiss it and then you realize that actually is worth doing? Well, in, in Once and for All, the melody that we threw out Let's hear it for once and for all. Yeah, I, I said, listen, it's, I think that really added a lot to it. We had written that, that initially, the very first time we wrote once and for all was, let's hear it. And I, I was actually thinking um, of almost like a drinking song um, when, they, when you get to the chorus. Let's hear it for once and for all. Da 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 da. together at, at like at Jacoby's for instance. And I played it for him just on a tape recorder one day and said remember this and he said what is that? And you had kept it for 20 years. No I remembered I did remember. Oh, no, 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 yes. Because okay, I remember I remember thinking um, I was actually thinking Salt of the Earth. The Rolling Stones song Salt of the Earth. Um, you use references a lot just to give you inspiration. I first yeah, I do for a number of reasons. One is I'm a fan and so so in my a fan mind. fan of other composers. Yes other. absolutely. And music is, is, is a vocabulary. Music does not happen, you know, just out of ether. Music is a vocabulary, and it's a vocabulary that people understand and people respond to. Um, even when they can't identify what is it I'm hearing, it's, it will hit a spot in them that goes, oh, something in my childhood. I remember hearing that, and it was like a little bit of rock and roll energy. Because definitely Newsies is a show that fuels itself on a rock and roll energy, actually. Um, at no point does it actually go to rock and roll, but it's got that kind of rebel energy running through it in its best moments, filtered through this, this story. Um, and some of that is in just the references or the kind of connotation you have with the piece of music, and then there's a sweetness to the lyric that cuts against that. Do, do you think, is there such a thing as an Alan Menken chord when you're writing? Is there a sound when your hands hit the piano? I'm asking this because then I'll tell you an anecdote about it. Uh, um, I'm sure others could say it more easily. I, I do a lot of, you know, if you look at... Building like that, you mean? Um, the, 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 the minor second, the, the, a lot of uh, shifting tonalities. Um, the same melody, a minor third up. Uh, yes, yes, I do a lot of that's that like, modulation. That's a lot of you? Huh? That's a lot of you doing that? You do that a lot? I do that a lot. Because I sat at the piano with... Um, we were doing a, a music video for back in the olden days. We were kind of the movie The Lion King. And I sat at the piano. At a rec at, we were making a music video of Can You For The Love Tonight. And I was sitting at the piano with Elton, keeping him there because, of course, he wanted to leave because nobody likes making their own music videos. And I asked him how he writes, and he showed me his hands. And his hands are small. And he said, I play church lady chords. He, uh. said, he says, so can you play church lady chords? So my hands fit there, and so I have church lady sound. Holy Moses, I have been moved. And then he said, but this is how your friend Alan Menken plays. And he stretched his hands out, and he used two hands. He said, and he said, this is an Alan Menken chord. Oh, got it. And wow. do you know what that means? So that's... Yeah, he's, he's recognizing the kind of tonalities that I use. Well, you know, by the way, you do know that El at the moment I reflect back to was I wrote the theme song for Rocky V. And, and Phil Ramone and I went over to London, and Elton recorded it. And while we were in the studio, he was asking me about Little Mermaid. And he was really fascinated with, with animation, and wow. And I thought, what year was that? It was after Mermaid, so it was probably 92. Oh. Um, and I thought, yeah, it's great that he's interested in animation. Little did I imagine that. Because <laughs> that's, that, that's right around the time. Little, I, I, little, I asked little, him to little, write, little, yeah. Little, 
Lion King? Yeah, <laughs> I know, it's awkward. Um, it's not awkward at all, he did a great too job. too bad. <laughs> no, it's, it's every, what, is, what do you get complimented for mostly that you didn't write? Alan gets constantly complimented for uh, the, Lion the Lion King. The Lion King, that I didn't write? Yeah, do you get complimented? I write the songs. Oh, because you have lectured with Barry Manilow, they yeah, think you the wrote pet. that? Yeah, I write so many the years songs ago I worked with him. That was Johnson, right? Uh, what's his yeah, name? Yeah, it wasn't Barry. Bruce Johnson, from who was actually within the Beach Boys. Yeah. So you get to pick for among my favorites to play us out. Okay. So um, If I Can't Love Her, um, or Wherever the Trail May Lead from the Nobody Ever Saw It um, uh, cow movie we did. Um, but, uh, you know, how about... Um, Um, because it's a song no one's ever heard. Will the sun ever shine again? This is from our uh, extraordinary Home on the Range. I'm going to do the tag. I have to say some nice words, and then you'll close us out with a song. Thank you for joining us. These programs are brought to you in partnership with our friends at CUNY TV. On behalf of the American Theater Wing, I'm Tom Schumacher. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Working in the Theater. Like it's been dark since the devil knows when How do you go on, never knowing for certain Will the sun ever shine, wish I could say Send me a sign, one little ray Lord, if you're listening, how long until then Will the sun ever shine again